0: Everybody, hope you're having a great day. Pete calendar here, News Talk 1110 993 WBT. Thanks for letting me be a part of your day. I do appreciate it. The phone numbers are 704 570 1110 and 1 800 WBT 1110. The email is Pete at the Pete calendar Show, ironically enough.com. Um, okay, well, don't put in the ironically enough part, it's just Pete at the Pete Callender Show.com. So, uh, I had to take my car into the shop today, uh, and I only tell you that because I did a whole bunch of the prep last night. I watched the county commission meeting. I've got some, oh, I've got some good audio. Oh, my gosh, that's some funny audio. We'll get to that. But, uh, because I uh, took the car over to Woody's, by the way, dropped it off at Woody's, uh, at the recommendation of Brett Winterble. We've been taking our cars there. Anyway, so they do the shuttle service, so I've, Got to the studio here very early, been hanging around these hallowed halls since about 830 uh, rather than working from home. So what that means and why I'm telling you this is because, oh, my gosh, we have gotten like a ton of court rulings from like everywhere. And I'm I'm going to be running them off of the laptop here. I usually I'm kind of old school. People will tell you I hold in my hand one of many pencils. I use I use pencil. And I print out like everything. I make notes on them in pencil so I can erase them. And um, so I'm running off of the laptop for a lot of these court rulings. So I apologize if I'm not going to be if I'm going to be kind of bouncing around on this stuff. But we've got a bunch of different rulings. We had uh, the Supreme Court issued its opinion on the New York state uh, gun restrictions on concealed carry. Uh, We've got the Supreme Court ruling on. North Carolina's voter ID case. We have, uh, let me see here. This is, see, like that. See what I'm doing right there when I say, let me see here. It's because I got to go to another page. I don't ever do that. I always have the papers all spread out. Okay. Um, do, do, there was a court ruling here. Um, mm-hmm. Consent judgment. There was a consent judgment issued that uh, is being touted by Lambda Legal headline in their press release, victory North Carolina to issue accurate birth certificates for transgender people without requiring surgery. So what they call an accurate birth certificate will be one that is not accurate. They're going to now allow changes to birth certificates based on how you identify. So you go back and change the birth certificate. So what this means is now all of the data is going to be corrupted, right? Because we're not going to know. We're not going to know for sure anymore whether more boys are, are born than girls or girls more so than boys. And um, by the way, the, and the reason why that could be important, for example, is that if I remember the stat correctly is that more boys are born than girls, but then within I think it's within the first five years, those populations shift because boys die more than girls. But why would we want clean data while trying to figure out,, uh, you know, maybe some policy responses? Uh, or, you know, non-profit responses to particular issues that might come up. Like, why are these boys dying? That kind of thing. We don't need to know that. You're not going to need to know the data any longer. All we're going to have to know is that the birth certificates with the child's sex on them are now not to be believed. They are not indicative of the reality, of truth. They will be indicative of individuals' own truths my truth of course when i'm old enough to determine that i'm not the sex that i was assigned at birth by a doctor right so yeah so like what four years old or so four maybe maybe five that would be the yeah that would be the um (laughs) that would be the the time when you can make those decisions. We also have a certificate of need uh, ruling state appeals court. Uh, the certificate of need is the, uh, the process that hospitals and medical uh, uh, systems, if they're trying to do like a clinic or a particular kind of uh, specialized uh, practice in a particular area, they got to jump through all of these hoops in North Carolina. They got to get approval. And basically the biggest existing players get to stiff arm competitors out of the marketplace. It's a completely monopolistic, antiquated, I would argue, corrupt law still on the books, but they just can't seem to bring themselves to getting rid of it. Got that. Uh, We also have the school voucher ruling that came down the other day from the U.S. Supreme Court as well. So a lot to get to. Um, and And of course, the hilarious audio from the county commission meeting last night. I'll try to get to it all. So let me start here with the North Carolina voter ID lawsuit. All right. So this is a lawsuit that was brought by the NAACP against the state and state lawmakers sought to intervene in the lawsuit because the North, the state of North Carolina is represented in these, uh, in these lawsuits by the attorney general and uh, if they're named the board of elections, well, the board of elections is appointed by Roy Cooper, and the attorney general is Josh Stein. And so, Cooper a Democrat, Stein a Democrat, and uh, the board of elections majority Democrat because remember Roy Cooper sued in order to prevent the board of elections from being bipartisan, from being a less partisan body. He no, he wanted to keep his power. To appoint majorities on all the boards of elections throughout the state and at the state level. So that's who's defending this, uh, this law from this uh, in this lawsuit by the NAACP. Slight problem, right? They're all they're all kind of simpatico on uh on the voter ID stuff. Right? They, they're not fans of the voter ID law, which is actually one of the most liberal, most generous voter ID laws in America. And it still isn't good enough for them, which makes you wonder, why don't you want voter ID at all? You're just opposed to the whole concept no matter how, because for a long time they argued, well, the way it's written and the way the Republicans wrote it that last time or that other last time or the time before that or the time after that. Uh, no, no, no. They just they got the language wrong. You know, I don't necessarily object to election integrity. I just don't think they did a good job on this bill. And if they really want to root out fraud, they should go after the absentee ballots. And then, of course, when the Republicans went after the absentee ballots, tried to shore that up, then they got sued over that, too. But doesn't matter. Uh, you got the voter ID lawsuit. And this the NAACP argument here is that essentially that the uh, it disenfranchises. Yes, but this is the usurper legislature argument that because the legislature was elected in districts that were subsequently tossed out as gerrymanders, that everything the legislature has passed is illegitimate, that they were usurpers. And so we have to throw out the voter ID. Oh, and the income tax cap, which of course were constitutional amendments that we, the voters, approved. But their argument is that we should never have been able to approve that because it was a usurper legislature. Interestingly enough, the NAACP did not sue on the other constitutional amendments that were thrown up to voters that voters uh, approved some and rejected a couple others. It was a Marcy's law, I think, was one victim notification laws. We all approved that one. But NAACP is not suing over that one. But if they were to win, logic would dictate. OK, I'll just stop right there. My bad. I should have I should have caught myself before I even started to say logic would dictate. Hey, would you like to go to the WBT Sky Show, see the greatest fireworks extravaganza in the southeast? Go to WBT.com. Oh, and by the way, um, if you are interested, we do a flag ceremony to honor veterans and active military. And uh, it's a flag ceremony after the ball game at Truist Field, Charlotte Knights, and then uh, before the fireworks show. So that's it's the whole the whole day. You go watch the game. You go, uh, you see the ceremony, and then you see the fireworks. And uh, if you want to participate in the flag ceremony, go to WBT.com, and uh, we'd love to have you. Sign up at the website for your chance to join us at the WBT Sky Show. It's on July 4th, and that would include four tickets to the game, and you would then be a part of the flag ceremony on the field. Um, WBT's 2022 Sky Show, sponsored by Audi Charlotte. Visit WBT.com for details. All righty, so the first uh, Supreme Court ruling I'm going over here that just came down this morning, this was an 8-to-1 ruling. An eight to one ruling, which is kind of comical that um, there was a uh, here he is Ben Clark and uh, and his band, the Ben Clark Five, I believe. <clears throat> no, he's a state lawmaker and he's running for Congress now, and he sent out a tweet that said, "It's becoming more and more clear that this Republican-appointed Supreme Court." Decides each case on the political persuasion of the litigants, no matter how inconsistent or hypocritical the verdict. It's hard to overstate how bad that is for a healthy democracy. Ben Clark. The decision was eight to one. (laughs) So not really sure why this would be a Republican versus Democrat thing. The one dissent was, in fact, a Democrat appointee, but... The other two Democrat appointees went along with the majority, so otherwise totally nailed it, Ben. Totally nailed it. All righty, so the Supreme Court ruled 8-1 to that North Carolina legislative leaders will be able to intervene in a federal lawsuit challenging the state's voter ID. The decision, uh, according to Carolina Journal, reverses a ruling from the Fourth U.S. Circuit Court of Appeals. Here's what the Supreme Court wrote, quote, Federal courts should rarely question that a state's interests will be practically impaired or impeded if its duly authorized representatives are excluded from participating in federal litigation challenging state law. Justice Neil Gorsuch wrote the majority opinion. He said to hold otherwise would not only evince disrespect for a state's chosen means of diffusing its sovereign powers among various branches and officials, It would not only risk turning a deaf federal ear to voices the state has deemed crucial to understanding the full range of its interests. It would encourage plaintiffs to make strategic choices to control which state agents they will face across the aisle in federal court. That's the key. Why? He goes on to say it would tempt litigants to select as their defendants Those individual officials they consider more sympathetic to their cause or more inclined to settle favorably and quickly. What does that sound like to you? Does that ring a bell? Collusive agreements. Right? We saw this very thing happen when Josh Stein, Democrat Attorney General, entered into a collusive settlement agreement with... The people who sued Mark Elias and company over our election laws, the Board of Elections, the attorney general's office and the litigants from these left wing nonprofit groups, these activist groups that said you need to change all of the election laws as we were early voting in 2020. And they entered into this settlement and they didn't even tell the North Carolina legislative leaders who were, in fact, party to the lawsuit. They were named litigants or or participants, rather, defendants. They were named and the attorney general, the board of elections and the plaintiffs struck a deal and cut out the legislative leaders. In this lawsuit, the NAACP has filed. The legislative leaders are now trying to get into the case because they don't trust Josh Stein. (gasps) Gee, I wonder why that would happen. Whatever would Josh Stein have done? What could he have possibly done to undermine their trust? It's a real brain buster. News Talk eleven ten ninety nine three WBT. Mark Joseph Stern who's pretty awful, writes for Slate.com, which is also very awful. Uh, he says on Twitter, the Supreme Court's first decision of the day today was Burger v. North Carolina NAACP. In an 8-to-1 opinion written by Neil Gorsuch, the court holds that North Carolina's legislative leaders can intervene in federal litigation to defend state voting laws. North Carolina's Democratic attorney general is already defending the state's voter ID law against a legal challenge. But Republican leaders of the legislature want to defend it, too, because they think the attorney general won't do a good job. Well, there is past experience here, you realize. In fact, the judges wrote about it. The justices wrote about it. uh, Quote, more than once, a North Carolina attorney general has opposed laws enacted by the general assembly and declined to defend them fully in federal litigation. Anybody want to, Anybody Anybody remember who that was? Who was the who who was the attorney general who opposed a, legisl, uh, a legislative act and then refused to defend it in court? Remember the first one? That's right, Roy Cooper, when he was attorney general and then and then his protege Josh Stein also did it, so yeah, Republicans should be wary of the uh the oh, let's say the work ethic the 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 commitment to defend the laws that they oppose, even though that's their charge to do so. This was a very big issue this was this was all bubbling up before 2016. remember when uh, Cooper was still attorney general? And he was making the moves to run for governor against Pat McCrory in 2016. And uh, there were some litigation, I believe, over the voter ID law it was one of them. And uh, Cooper attempted to and, and did. He refused to defend the state. It was outrageous then. It's still outrageous now. And, of course, media treats him like it's, you know, no big deal. Nothing to see there. But it was I mean, to me, completely unethical. You want to talk about not fulfilling your oath of office. That was a great example of it. So, yeah, uh, the legislature is right to be suspicious of Josh Stein's ability to defend a law with which he disagrees. So the Supreme Court said, yeah, you totally can intervene as participants in the case. In his opinion, this is Mark Joseph Stern again, who's pretty awful. In his opinion for the court, Gorsuch suggests that North Carolina Republicans are correct to accuse the Democratic attorney general of failing to vigorously defend the state's voter ID law. Well, they are. They are correct. They didn't accuse him of failing to vigorously defend the state's law. The Republicans are suspicious that he won't, because obviously he is still participating in the litigation, but they're, they're just not confident in him. They're not confident in, in him based on past experience where he refused to defend certain laws and then made a collusive agreement on election laws in 2020. They don't trust him because he's closer in ideology to the people suing. And what the Supreme Court said was, if you don't allow this branch of government or these legislative leaders to intervene when they think their interests are not being represented you essentially open the door for what judge shopping and collusive settlements because the NAACP would just wait to sue or pick a defendant that they know agrees with them. And then they can enter into an agreement. They can settle it and they can get their way and totally usurp the legislative process. Sonia Sotomayor. Ugh. She's awful too. Here's what uh, she says. uh, Today, The court holds that two leaders of the North Carolina General Assembly are entitled to intervene as a matter of right to represent the state's interest in defending the constitutionality of North Carolina law, even though that interest is already being ably pursued on the state's behalf by an existing state party to the litigation. So she's just assuming, oh, why would you ever suspect he would do something like this, even though he has in the past? But why would you think he would do it in this case? The court's decision is wrong, she says, for two reasons. First, the court goes astray by creating a presumption that a state is inadequately represented in federal court unless whomever state law designates as a state representative is allowed to intervene, even where the interests that the interveners seek to represent are identical to those of an existing party. That presumption of inadequacy improperly permits state law as opposed to federal law, to determine whether an existing party adequately represents a particular interest. Now, if you're confused by all that, well, it's Sotomayor. So that's the reason why it's confusing. Uh, She says that the uh, court errs also by implying that the attorney general's defense of the constitutionality of the voting law at issue here fell below a minimal standard of adequacy. Because, well, look, I mean, it's being litigated now, and so... You know, we don't know if he's actually providing inadequate legal services. We just don't know. Well, how about the how about those other cases that I cited where he refused to defend laws with which he disagreed or he uh, entered into collusive settlements in order to do an end run around the legislative, the legislature? How about that? Can we look at those? Would you go back and hire an attorney that did that to you? I wouldn't. Why would why would you? It's quite clear what the play here has been from the attorney general's office. So the Supreme Court, recognizing things as they are, said, uh, no, they are allowed to intervene in the case. Now, whether they'll be successful or not, we shall see. And by the way, Sotomayor was the only one who dissented. This was an eight to one decision. That means Kagan and Ketanji Brown Jackson, all they voted with the Republicans, which makes Ben Clark's comments even more ridiculous, more ridiculous. But you can see this is the point. Remember, remember the story how Weatherman told former chief of staff for Dan Forrest, the former lieutenant governor. Remember the story he told of when he and Forrest went to Philadelphia for this uh, centennial celebration or something it was right after Roy Cooper had won they go up there with some sort of constitutional thing where the original 13 colonies governors were all going up there for some event and uh Ed Rendell and Terry McAuliffe two democrat governors they thought Dan Forrest was a republic or was a democrat because they knew Cooper was a democrat but Cooper couldn't attend and Cooper asked Forrest to go in his place so they assumed that Forrest Was a Democrat. And they said at one of their dinners, after they had been drinking just a wee bit, they said that the point of the litigation over the redistricting, and I would submit also the voter ID stuff, yeah, we might win a couple of the lawsuits and that'll be just gravy. That's great. But the whole point is to what? Is to cast our Republican opponents as racists by trying to racially gerrymander, trying to racially suppress voters, right? That was the play. And the point was to keep black Democrat voters angry and scared of Republicans. They literally told him this and then found out he's a Republican and then tried to say, oh, you know, we were just kidding about all of that. No, they weren't. That's been the plan. What do you think the plan is behind this? To keep suing and keep casting the Republicans as racist. And now they're going after the Supreme Court saying it's illegitimate. I don't know about you. That kind of sounds a wee bit insurrection-y. I don't know. Do words have have influence anymore? Does the hot rhetoric inspire any kind of violence, stuff like that? You're undermining confidence in the Supreme Court after decades of holding it up as this all-powerful, all-knowing body. But now that republicans have the majority of appointments now all of a sudden you can't trust anything that they do funny how that works news talk 1110993wbt Uh, Let's see here. What else? There was another court ruling that came down. This was on uh, the New York gun licensing law. Supreme Court ruling that because the state of New York issues public carry licenses only when an applicant demonstrates a special need for self-defense, we conclude that the state's licensing regime violates the Constitution this was the case New York State Rifle and Pistol Association Inc versus Bruin so you'll hear the case referred to as Bruin as in lot of outrage among the left is a Bruin okay uh, today the it's so funny to me there was hang on a second let me pull up this tweet from Tim Poole. he's a podcaster guy a journalist guy he says 25 states allow concealed carry without a permit. 36 states allow open carry without a permit. He says, y'all are losing because you refuse to actually research guns. That is so true. This is why when everybody says uh, on the left, well, we need to have a conversation about the laws, I'm always like, absolutely, because the more we talk, the more people go out and buy guns And they get trained and they get concealed carry and they are able to protect themselves. It's, yeah, laws get changed and people get mad like, well, wait a minute. Why can't I have this gun in my house unless I like uh, dismantle the thing? And I think one state, it's like it was in New York where you had to dismantle the thing and you had to put like the the cylinder in the freezer and you had to put the handle under the bed and then you had to take the (laughs) – I'm just kidding (laughs) – But it was almost like that. You had to basically render the thing inoperable, which is the whole reason you have it is so it operates correctly in a time of crisis and emergency when someone is, you know, breaking into your house. The Heller case. Okay, so uh, today the U.S. Supreme Court granted review. Uh, This was from, I'm sorry, legalinsurrection.com. I'm sorry, if Christy Clark is listening, I'm. I'm a, I am apologize. I'm not trying to offend you. No, I'm not talking about insurrection. That's just the name of the website. There are no koozies. Well, I shouldn't say that. I have not been to their merchandise store. They may have merch that has legal insurrection. I digress. Today, the U.S. Supreme Court granted review and uh, in this case, the Bruin case, challenging the constitutionality of New York's concealed carry licensing scheme. This is what they wrote at the time when the case was, uh, when the court agreed to take the case up and review it. The case argues that New York's May issue licensing scheme instead of a shall issue. So one of those things you always got to look out for in law. May versus shall. That's why North Carolina, like we are a shall issue. This is why, was it the uh, grassroots North Carolina, I believe it was, the uh, Second Amendment group, they sued the sheriff over his, his foot dragging. Uh, on the concealed carry licensing, because he shall issue them in New York. It's a may issue. We may issue. And then again, we may not. And so what they have done is constructed all of these reasons, all of these criteria that you have to, you got to meet in order to get a license. And the big one on the list is that you basically have to show that somebody wants to kill you at any given moment. That's <laughs> essentially right. The shall issue states require licensing authorities to issue a concealed carry license so long as they're not specifically prohibited. And this is where you get the list of criteria that New York has as well, the criteria being, uh, you know, you can't be a convicted felon, no violence, you got to be 21. So there are all these different criteria But they are. But but once you meet the criteria, then you shall be issued the permit. New York's discretionary consideration makes it all but impossible for law abiding Americans to receive a permit to carry a firearm concealed in New York, which is why, of course, nobody carries any concealed weapons in New York. The burden is placed on the applicant to demonstrate a special need for self-protection distinguishable from that of the general community or of persons engaged in the same profession. So if I were to say, look, I work as a talk show host, and I don't know why, but sometimes people get really mad at what I say. I know I'm as perplexed about it as you, but... They get mad. And so I might need a firearm to protect myself. So I would like to get a concealed carry permit. Thank you, state of New York and state of New York would say, well, you know what? We asked this other uh, talk show host over on the NPR station and they don't feel the need to carry a gun. So denied. They can do that. In other words, an applicant's mere desire to carry a firearm for the purpose of self-defense is not proper cause in the eyes of New York. Just saying I want it for self-defense, that is sufficient in, like, most other states. But in New York, sorry, not good enough. And it makes sense, too, because New York is so peaceful, mostly peaceful, right? It's a mostly—it's it's fiery but peaceful, right? Isn't that—that's the standard? So it's a mostly peaceful state, so why ever would anybody ever need to, uh, to conceal carry uh, in New York? There was— Hang on a second. There was another tweet. Again, my apologies. This is what happens when uh, I have to run off of uh, ye old laptop here. Oh, here it is. Sharp elbows from Justice Alito in his concurrence to the majority. Uh, he says, I join the opinion of the court in full, but I would add the following comments in response to the dissent. So this is in response to the lefty judges. And he says, much of the dissent seems designed to obscure the specific question that the court has decided. And therefore, it may be helpful to provide a succinct summary of what we have actually held. What does he say? In in Supreme Court Justice lingo, he's like, you guys don't even know what you're talking about. Here's what we actually said in the Heller case. Ooh, that's going to leave a mark.